0: Hi, this is Nikki from Motherhood Unfiltered. It's going to be okay. You're listening to another podcast episode. If you like the podcast in the episode, please write a review, share with a friend, or leave a comment. You can also visit my website at www.nikkiasherbowling.com or you can visit my YouTube channel. Thank you and enjoy a new episode from Motherhood Unfiltered. It's going to be okay. Hi, Leslie. Thank you
1: for being on my podcast, Motherhood Unfiltered. It's going to be okay. And I'm excited to get to read your book, You Can't Eat Love. When I first saw that, I was like, you can't eat love? What do you mean by that? (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. I think I do know. I try to do it every day. So tell us about yourself and um, this how this book came in to fruition and what was your inspiration for it? Uh, well, Nikki, first, I want to thank you so much for
2: having me. Um, I enjoy listening to your podcast. A lot of times I'm listening to it when I'm walking out in the back with uh, the dogs and and <laughs> you you give me an opportunity to laugh every now and then, but you also give me pause, you know, to think about something else. So I'm grateful right. for that. Right. Um, a little bit about me. Well, you know, like so many people who are listening, uh, I am a wife. I am a mother. I have three adult mm-hmm. children. So, yes, you know, to not to give away the story, but they did survive. They are alive and well and thriving. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> That's what I tell my kids. I'm like, well, you made it. Uh,
2: yes. You're saving yes. It up right. <laughs> well, and not only that, but for whatever reason, um, you know, I, I I managed to shield them from my craziness and, you know, they're actually very normal. So I'm very grateful for that. (laughs) Right. Um, and in the past, well, I guess to back up and have a little bit of the story about six, seven years ago, 2015, don't ask me to do high math without a calculator. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) back in 2015, um, I had a couple of things happen. Uh, one mm-hmm. was my, my father died. And the second was that my mm-hmm. oldest son and his wife decided that they didn't want to have a relationship with me anymore. And they were expecting their first child,
1: which yeah. would have been
2: my first grandchild. Mm-hmm. And what happened was it sent me into what I call a wash, rinse, repeat cycle.
1: Yeah,
2: Because my own mother died two weeks before My oldest, this very child, was born, and I never really mourned her death. Now, people may hear that and think, how can you not have mourned a death? Well, it's very easy when you don't Mm -hmm. know how to, number one. But also, number two, when you're thrown into everything else that life is throwing at you, you really don't have time to Mm -hmm. prioritize yourself and especially to mourn. So I realized that i was heading down a path and i had two choices i could either continue going down the path which was really and truly leading to my own self-destruction or i could make a decision to become the best version of myself mentally physically and emotionally Mm -hmm. so that when my son and his wife did decide that they did want a relationship with me i would be Mm -hmm. the very best, healthiest version of myself that I could be so that at that time I could accept whatever would be coming towards me. Right. And um, again, not to give the story away, but it took until 2021 before we really had a conversation at all. So, you know, that's quite a span of time, but oh yeah. Retrospectively, I'm extremely grateful for the time because as I said, it gave me an opportunity to get healthy mentally physically and emotionally yeah. and what what did that look like well part of what that looked like is I ended up discovering that my drug of choice for not dealing with my emotions, not dealing with my feelings, not speaking my own you know uh, what I really wanted my drug mm-hmm. of choice was food yeah. And I was approximately 100 pounds more than I currently am, because as I did the work, not only learning what to eat and how much of it to eat, but also right. doing the mental and emotional work, my right. of choice began to lose its power and I was able to shed the weight. So wow. the long and short of it is uh, people kept asking, you know, what what did you do? And they didn't believe that I didn't take pills or do the, you know, the (laughs) surgery or anything like that. And I ended up writing a book and the book was written to the me that I used to be. Yeah. Because I realized that there were so many more me's out there in the world.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah.
2: And and the title came from several mother's days ago. My youngest sister said that she made um, a chocolate meringue pie to honor the memory of our mother And I had struggled with Mother's Day for years because my first Mother's Day as a mother was my first Mother's Day without my mother. So Mother's Day was very hard for me. Anyway, I decided because a part of the work that I had done, I was finally able to mourn the loss of my mother. Uh um, I decided to make a, a, a pie, chocolate meringue pie. And it was as I was sitting down on Monday morning to have this slice of pie for breakfast. Don't tell me that pie doesn't qualify for breakfast. It's eggs and you know <laughs> oh, all the I other stuff. I
1: you was know. like, well, that sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> um
2: I was sitting there and I was eating and I was reflecting and I was remembering, and I write mm-hmm. about this, and what ended up becoming the first three, four, three or four paragraphs of the book, I scribbled wow. it down. I realized that I had been searching for something that I thought I didn't have. And what I thought I didn't have was love from everybody else. And what I was really missing was love for myself. So I discovered Mm -hmm. I had had a myself-sized hole in my heart that I was trying to stuff with food. Yep. And that's where the title comes from.
1: You can't (laughs) eat love. No, you can't. No. <laughs> you can give love and you'll get more love, but you can't eat it. No. <laughs> is that how but, that works?
2: <laughs> but so many of us do try to eat love or yeah. you know, drug love or drink love or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I recognized is I was doing that because the the, the pain of feeling, yeah, was so horrific because I didn't oh, know yeah. how to do it. Right, it was easier to stuff than it was to feel.
1: So the what was the first thing? So you're like thinking, okay, I need to love myself. How am I going to do that? What was your? I mean, what was your first step or first realization of what you had to do? Um,
2: well, I first thought I just need to lose weight, and. I recognized when I when I saw how much weight I needed to lose, um, I was like, OK, we cannot do this just focusing on losing weight. So yeah. what what is it that we need to do? And I said, OK, anytime we do something, we're going to start celebrating the little tiny wins.
1: Awesome. Yeah.
2: And as I celebrated the little tiny wins, and I talk about this in the book, the first time that I drove through McDonald's and told myself, all we're going to do is order a large Diet Coke with no ice, and we're not going to order the usual, you know, Big Mac with the large fry and the large Diet Coke with no ice. Uh, I said, when I do this, I'm going to celebrate. So I really, truly started right there. And as I started celebrating the little things that I was doing, I started recognizing, oh, that felt really good. Mm-hmm. And I got braver about what I was celebrating.
1: Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> and then I started realizing that I was feeling something. And I started getting braver in naming what I was feeling. Now, here's where the ginormous light bulb came on. And I don't, I, I write about it sort of in the book, but not really. The yeah. ginormous light bulb moment was when I was telling someone how I was feeling.
1: Uh-huh. And
2: they said to me, you shouldn't feel that way.
1: Okay. Well,
2: <laughs> yeah. And I could
1: feel. We can't control our feelings. I mean, we can control to, I mean, I guess a certain point, but. Yeah. OK. <laughs> you know,
2: I, I could feel every fiber of my being wanting to shout back at them. And, and I said it in a very calm voice repeatedly. You yeah. can't tell me how I should feel.
1: Right. Right.
2: Um, and that was really like I said, it broke the dam because I started mm-hmm. reflecting back and I tell people we have a very small rear view mirror in our car for a reason. OK, so <laughs> we we look at our rearview mirror for information to help us make decisions about going forward. So right. looking back at our life, we don't need to, you know, reho every road, but we can look at yeah. the past for information to make choices in the future. So, what I recognized and realized is my entire life, people had been telling me that I shouldn't feel a certain way or that my feelings were not legitimate. So, mm. of course, my feelings had been driven underground.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, we, I know I grew up with people telling me, well, why are you crying? Stop crying. Right. <laughs> Okay, I will try and stop but I'm bleeding and I'm hurt.
2: (laughs) Instead of acknowledging, you know, what's really going on. I mean, let's think about this. You bring up, you know, a very good point. Because this was another thing that I started reflecting on. Small children fall and they cry because they've hurt themselves. How many times has an adult said to them, oh, you're not hurt? Well, (laughs) what that does is it creates a, a cognitive dissonance. Yeah, Um, Yeah. because it's very much like if I were to say to you or you were to say to me, do you like my plum colored top? And I would say, yes, I do. But, you know, I'm going to inform you it's peach. And you say, no, it's plum. And I say, no, you're mistaken. It's peach. (laughs) So you start doubting yourself. Well, then three or four other people come along and they say, oh, I really like your peach colored top. And you start saying, "Okay, well, these are people that I trust. They are yeah. authorities in these kinds of things. So my top must really be peach. Well, right. Then you go out to a part of the world where they are not as informed and they say, oh, <laughs> I really like your plum colored top. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, that's truthfully what we do when we tell someone if they are hurt, if they are sad, if they are angry, yeah. if they are happy, if they are whatever it is that they are. Right. We are telling them that their plum colored top is peach.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no wonder we're all walking around confused and don't know what we're doing.
2: <laughs> exactly. Because we're not acknowledging, you know, I, I really like your plum colored top.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: I mean, it is a fact. How we feel are facts. Mm hmm. And when it comes to speaking to, I don't really like to call them, you know, children or whatever, but, you know, short people, because truthfully, children are simply short versions of adults,
1: right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: And and so when we start telling children, especially how they should and shouldn't, and that they do and don't. Right. We're not really teaching them. Right. Right and giving them the skills that they're going to need when they hit their teenage years and their adult years. Mm -hmm. Because the clearer that we can be with how we truly feel and what Mm -hmm. we really think, can you imagine how much better a teenager is going to be? How much more able they're going to be able to vocalize and feel heard? Because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, don't we all
1: just want to be heard? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I had a conversation with an adult, we'll just say yesterday, and they were mad and they were saying words I didn't like to hear. And so when we were talking about it, you know, they said, well, I was letting you know my feelings. I'm like, what you were saying, you know, your message was fine it was how you were delivering it to me. That wasn't fine. And I, you know, we just, you know, I'm, I, you know, I told him, I was like, it's okay for you to to feel that way. I just don't like those words that you were using. And so you just need to practice on your deliverance because it was kind of scary. (laughs)
2: Exactly. Because, you know, um, the other thing that I started recognizing is that we have two sets of boundaries. We have the boundary with ourself and we have the boundary with everybody else. Uh-huh. So you were legitimate in expressing your desire yeah. to have a conversation with this person where you're focusing right. on, you know, the feelings, what mm-hmm. they were feeling, why they were feeling it and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you were within your rights to say, you know what? I, I can hear what you're saying, but I'm yeah. not going to accept you speaking to me using those words. I know. And and that that is okay. But you see, what happens is people, because you know they're taught that their top is peach, mm-hmm. they they don't understand that I have the right to say I am not going to accept you speaking to me that way. Mm -hmm. They think that they have the right to push through the barrier, push through the boundary and do whatever it is that they want to do. Right. Right. Because we haven't established that boundary when Mm -hmm. they tell us that our top is peach. We haven't said no. You know, I hear what you're saying. I really hate (laughs) to tell you, but you're mistaken. You know,
1: my top is plum. Yeah. Yeah. We've taught them that the boundary is porous. Right. And you can be respectful and disagreeing with people. Um, I, I feel like we've, we've lost that art of debate. Yes. You know, they had debate um, class in high school for a reason. You know, they had speech class in high school for a reason. And it's to have a subject, give your opinions, or give your facts and then discuss them in a respectful manner to each other and taking turns. And so I feel like, you know, we've definitely lost that somewhere along the way where people just lash out at each other like crazy animals. <laughs> so. yeah.
2: Well, And then we've got, you know, we've got um, parents uh, who uh-huh. prefer to mm-hmm. not have a conversation with their children because it's easier just to hand them an electronic device or turn on the TV, you know, with the 2000 yeah. channels on it, um or you know the iPad, the iPhone, the the what, whatever because right, it right. is easier for the parent, the adult to be engaged in whatever the heck it is that they are engaging in, but what mm-hmm. they are doing is they are teaching the child that they can be dismissed.
1: Yeah. And then yeah. their
2: point, their words, their thoughts, their feelings do not matter. And right. honestly, it is no different from a child feeling uncomfortable or frustrated or whatever and handing them an electronic device or uh-huh. handing them a bag of cookies. It is exactly the same thing.
1: Yes. Yes. Because whatever it is that you're giving them is uh, is actually just preoccupying them and distracting them from, um, the situation at hand. So, so when you figured out that a lot of this behavior you had, um, was taught growing up, I mean, was that hard for you to like start changing your mindset and paying attention to your feelings and naming your feelings? Oh, it
2: it was terrifying. Um, because as I say in the book, um, it wasn't that I didn't know the names of feelings. I mean, I read gallons, so I knew the names of yeah. feelings. I just didn't know how to name my feelings.
1: Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> and I didn't know how to not run screaming from the room from my own feelings. Um, well, especially sadness.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I mean, running from the room. Yeah. I wouldn't get that far because I can't run that far, but <laughs> in my mind I would have been across the state, you know, i so, so did you, how did you, when the sadness one, how did you handle that? Cause I know that you lost your father and your mother. I mean, did you just start writing or did you start walking or, I mean, what did that look like for you?
2: Um, well, the first thing that I did was I created a morning routine where I do some reading, some inspirational reading. And then I started writing in a notebook. I do not journal, do not accuse me of journaling. I write in a notebook, totally different from journaling. Okay, um,
1: <laughs> I'm <wasn't> sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, I would start writing in a notebook and having a conversation with myself and this is where the concept of your very best friend in the whole wide world came from because what I realized is um and maybe you can relate when we are in the middle of something that's yeah. really all that we want to talk about and people honestly get exhausted from listening to us <laughs> talk about the same thing over and over and over again. And you can tell when they start with the eye roll or they're, you know, not available or they cut you off on the telephone. You know, they've had it. Yeah. So by discovering my very best friend in the whole wide world, which was me, I recognized that me, my very best friend in the whole wide world was always going to be around. So by writing, I could have those conversations, get them out of my head. Do what I call get the hamsters off the wheel, send them back yeah. to the pet store. Because my <laughs> mission in life is to, you know, get rid of all the hamsters that are running on the wheels and let's put the pet stores out of business. But <laughs> yeah. the other thing was once I got it out of my head, it stopped. Uh huh. Because I felt heard.
1: Oh, okay. That's and such a good analogy that you're having these conversations with yourself because. Everybody else was sick of listening to you. I mean, I just find new people that that, that I can torture right? tell them all, tell them all my stories. Well, but, but what I happens then? Is,
0: what
1: but what happens then is
2: you start getting the eye roll, you start getting the you know the cutoff conversations. Right. And truthfully, right. do do you want to have your relationships all couched, confined? in the constant, what I call vomiting of the situation. Right Right. Now, I'm not going to say that there weren't people that I didn't talk to about, you know, the fact how I was feeling with regard to my son in that situation, because there were. But I didn't feel so desperate because I was able at a moment's notice when I could feel it start, or even after I recognized that it had started, I could grab a pen, I could grab a paper, and I could start having that conversation where I wasn't taking up other people's time or their life. And, and not to sound cruel or callous or anything like that, mm-hmm. truthfully, nobody could do anything. And so looking back, I
0: mm-hmm.
2: can see you know, that the people that I did share with, they had to have felt so powerless.
1: Oh, yeah. Because
2: really, they couldn't do anything. There was absolutely nothing that they could do. Wow, that which...
1: is a good concept. I mean, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain it's free, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. An Anchor will distribute your podcast for you
0: so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place.
1: Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, it's A-N-C-H. O-R dot to get started. A lot of times we tell people our problems because we want them to fix them for us or right. give us some kind of advice. But a lot of times we have to do the work. We have to do it ourselves.
2: Yes. And, and this is where it became really, really clear to me.
1: Mhm.
2: I can only control me.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah.
2: Everyone else is in control of them.
1: Mhm. Yeah. I
2: can do nothing about them. So, when I'm vomiting over, you know, friends and family, rehoeing mm-hmm. the same thing,
0: mm-hmm. I can just
2: imagine how powerless they felt because they could not have <laughs> fixed anything. They couldn't give me any advice or suggestions or anything like that that would have fixed it because it's not as if I had broken a bone. Because let's face it, when we're dealing with these emotional situations, Mm -hmm. that's what they are.
1: Yep. Yep. And until,
2: until I could get clear on what it was that I was really feeling, why was I really feeling it? What was I going to do about it? How was I going to take ownership of it? And then what was uh-huh. I going to do next? Nothing was going to change.
1: Right. That's that's good stuff. I mean, what did your um, immediate family think about you going through this new transformation? I mean, I'm sure they were happy. Oh, you know, you're taking better care of yourself. I mean, did they think, oh, she's more emotional now because she knows how to... Um, name her own feelings uh, what was that you know i think you said you were married right Are yeah yeah i'm, I'm yeah uh-huh. so what um, well, i mean they actually did your husband think you know they
2: actually didn't know that i was doing anything because i didn't oh. <laughs> tell anybody that i was doing yeah. anything um uh, but they did start noticing that things were changing they also started noticing how i was reacting to situations was changing now, okay. the biggest the biggest problem was that my husband didn't like how I was changing. Oh. Um, because, <laughs> I mean, but, you know, let's face it. The people that we spend most of our time around, mm-hmm. they expect to be able to predict what's going to happen from one moment to the next, just as <laughs> we expect to be able to predict what's going to happen from one moment to the next. And anytime one party or two parties in a larger group go Mm -hmm. on a journey where they are getting healthier, healthier, or even unhealthy, mentally Mm -hmm. and emotionally, there's going to be a change, there's going to be a shift in the dynamics.
0: And as human
2: beings, as human beings, we cannot stand change. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I mean, for example, if you drive the same route every single day going somewhere And all of a sudden they decide that they need to do some road work and they put up a detour sign. What's the first thing that you do? Oh, I get mad. (laughs) Exactly. They should have
1: called my house and told me not to go that way.
2: (laughs) Or they should have asked you, is this a convenient time for you to be, you know, doing whatever (laughs) road work you were doing? Couldn't you do it between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. when I am not on this road? Right. Okay. So, if we react that way to something as minor, and yeah, really and truly, really, road work is minor.
1: It imagine
2: is. <laughs> how the people around us are feeling oh, when Lord. we are undertaking major work. Mm-hmm. Because when yeah, we they're just, all out of sorts, <laughs> exactly. And, and depending upon, you know, their their strength of character and that's a crazy phrase depending yeah. on their strength of character they are either able to flex and change mm-hmm. or they're going to keep slamming themselves into the wall mm-hmm. and that's where you see a lot of relationships fall apart
1: right right so how did you keep him i mean how did you keep him there you know um, uh, I just,
2: I, <laughs> obviously he well, did something because he's aware um i'm i'm mean enough <laughs> and stubborn enough
0: <laughs> that when
2: he would push back and say you know I, I i don't know what's changing but i don't like it i would say uh-huh. well you know Um, that I'm not going back to the way that I was. I prefer this is how I am because Mm -hmm. we circled back around to who are we in control of? We are only in control of us, right? Somebody else reacts or acts is out of our control. So his reaction Mm -hmm. was out of my control. The only thing in my control was me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but he had to know that you were not happy you know,
2: well, he knew that I wasn't happy, but he didn't understand why.
1: Well, yeah. So, I mean, and then in the middle and then in the middle of all this, you one of your sons and his wife said, see ya, you know, and I mean, I know what that's like. I had a fallen out with my middle son, have a, you know, at the time she was four, four year old granddaughter and my daughter-in-law and I was cut off from them. Oh, I was just devastated. I was literally devastated and my heart was just broken. And, um, it took a long time for me to come from that, which is why I started one of the reasons why I started this podcast, but now, and I did the exact same thing that you did. What can I do to better myself? So when they're ready to come back and talk to me again, and let me see my granddaughter, I want to be ready for that moment, you know, so I just started doing a lot of self care and all that jazz. So, I mean, I'm guessing that's the same steps that you did for yourself so that when your son finally was like, okay, I think we can come back, you know, (laughs) or we could talk now or whatever. I don't know what the situation is, but I mean, how did, I mean, did, I know you said you were glad that you did the work, but I mean, what was the, how hard was that? And what was the, you know, how did you feel? I mean, I know you, are you stronger, super stronger, you know, or what? Just explain that to me.
2: Um. Well, first of all, I was terrified. Yeah. Uh, because you know anytime we take off on doing something that we've never done before it is terrifying oh, yeah. but secondly um, i i was um, resistant because I'm a person who doesn't like change even though i've you know talked about all this change um,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> but i was also afraid that they would never accept me back um, right. because what it did was it fed into my fear of abandonment which goes, Way, way, way back, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and abandonment is just a really huge issue for me. So mm-hmm. it was feeding that. So I was having to overcome a whole lot of things. But as I said, I circle back. What is it I can control? What is out right. of my control? I can only control me. Right. So when when they um, when they decided, you know, to speak to me beyond nothing. Mm-hmm. I accepted what they gave with oh, zero yeah. expectation, with zero right. expectation. right? And right. then I ended up extending an invitation to them to come to the house with my other two kids and, you know, mm-hmm. to do um, a gingerbread decorating competition thing. And they accepted and mm-hmm. I was glad. And I said, you know what, all I can do is one step at a time, one step mm-hmm. at a time. And if it takes You know, the next 50 years, that's what it takes. Because all I can do is something about me. Mm -hmm. And I know that that sounds like a broken record, but truthfully... Mm -hmm. When we are going through our life, our world, dealing with our families, um, Mm -hmm. we can only do something about us. And I try to do my very best to be kind, to be thoughtful, to speak in a kind, thoughtful way, to acknowledge how people are feeling. Um, Mm -hmm. The phrases that I have added into my vocabulary are, I can only imagine how you must be feeling. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
2: So that even if I am not empathetic, which means that I have experienced something similar, I can express sympathy, which means I am, you know, aware of your situation and I can sympathize with it. So I I will say that a lot. And I even say it, I'd laugh to myself um, when I'm having the conversation with my very best friend in the whole wide world. I will even say then I can only (laughs) imagine how you were feeling when that happened. Yeah. But, but what yeah. that phrase does when you're talking to somebody else is it opens a door for them to respond. And at the yeah. end of the day, what is it that we really want? We want to feel as if we have been heard, mm-hmm. not not fixed. We are not out there seeking advice. If your car is <laughs> yeah. broken, yes, you want advice to fix your car. But <laughs> yeah. when we're talking about, you know, the internal workings. Truthfully, we're not seeking advice or solutions.
1: Uh-huh.
2: We we know the solutions. We simply need to be heard so we can get the garbage out of the way. Yep. So that we can
1: see the solution and take the next step. Wow, that is really good. Good stuff. I mean, I've stuff that I've heard, you know, over and over again, but it never gets old for me because there are times where I will forget. You know, I need to go back to doing this or be more consistent with it. And I just love that. The whole writing um, and having that conversation with yourself, because everybody else may be sick of hearing about it. You know, and we don't want to drive our loved ones away. We don't want to drive our friends away. Um, and like you said, they can't fix it. You know, only you have the power to work on your problems and, you know, and do better with them. Does that mean they go away? No, they don't go away because I'm. Who I am who I am and <laughs> I make the same mistakes over and over. <laughs> but you know what? That, that, that is okay.
2: Cause yeah. then another thing that I learned um, which I employ quite regularly is I learned to forgive myself. So yeah. when, when I mess up or, or, you know, have a conversation with myself, that's not helpful. I learned to forgive mm-hmm. myself, um, yeah. but also I was able to, um acknowledge that you know the the tools that I was given growing up they came from my parents. Well mm-hmm. I was able to say okay they did the very best that they could given the information that they had. Exactly. Let let's see what we can do better and I just hope that my children
1: mm-hmm. are able
2: to do the same thing say so, you mm-hmm. know she did the best that she could given the tools that she had. Right. Uh, because I didn't suddenly arrive at a place of brokenness or just, you know, destruction. I didn't suddenly, you know, open a door and there I was.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. It
2: it was there for a long time. Yep. But like a tsunami, the waves built and built and built and built until they turned into a tsunami and then they came crashing down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I just... I just hope that, you know, if someone who knows me sees the work that you've been doing for yourself and I've been doing for myself and these other people do for themselves, that they'll will think, okay, so she didn't do well in the beginning, but she's doing a whole lot better in the end. And I feel like I could learn some lessons from that. You know, I... I always feel like I want to be someone that they can use as an example of what to do or what not to do. You know, um, for the longest time I used my mother as an example of what not to do. So <laughs> and she, we've had conversations about it. She's like, well, that's all I knew. You know, I'm like, well, I understand now, but in the beginning I did. not I'm like, what's wrong with her? <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's just those lessons that we have to learn. So where can uh, people find your book? Uh, Well, the book, You Can't Eat
2: Love, is available on Amazon. Uh, You can also go to my website, which is youcanteatlove.com and find out everything about me, including links to the books, um, because I have several other books that go with that book, including a workbook. Um, And they're links to my story my pictures and things like that okay. also if somebody wants to reach out and have a conversation there's a contact information and i will talk back but um <laughs> if i could i would just like to say you know you you may be where you are today but tomorrow you're going to be someplace else
0: yeah and instead
2: of <laughs> focusing on perfection
0: mm-hmm
2: think of practice as progress. We're we're not ever aiming for perfect.
1: Right. (laughs) I don't know why we think we have to be perfect at certain things, you know, um, that was something I always struggled with. And I found that it put, I put myself in a box because if it wasn't perfect, then I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't even try. And, um, and I still do that sometimes, but then there are other times where I feel like super courageous <laughs> and I go out and do stuff and, and I'm like, okay, maybe I should have prepped a little bit more. <laughs> but I, I think that's just the whole concept of learning and, uh, you know, making it through life. My husband, he's just, like, he just shakes his head most of the time at me. <laughs> because you don't know what the things I'm going to do next.
2: (laughs) But you know, when when we step outside of our box and we try something, let's celebrate the little wins. Yep. I I don't care how ugly it is. I don't care how messy it is. Celebrate the little tiny, tiny wins. Not just the big stuff. Celebrate the little wins because what that does, your brain wants to be happy. Mm -hmm. And so when you start celebrating the little tiny wins, yep then your brain is looking for more of that.
1: Right. right.
2: Absolutely, 100%, (laughs) totally and completely ignore when you mess up. Ignore (laughs) it. Don't acknowledge it. Nothing. Zero. (laughs) Give it no airtime, no brain width, no nothing. Let it just fall (laughs) and leave it alone and start celebrating the wins. And then (laughs) as you do that, start noticing the people around you. Mm-hmm. And notice when they do a little tiny thing that you appreciate or that you just happen to oh, notice yeah. and comment, just start commenting. Hey, the other day I noticed that you, you know, put your dishes in the dishwasher and I just want to let you know how much I appreciate it. Now, are they oh, gonna yeah. start looking at you like you've got three heads, you know, and, and 10 arms? <laughs> yes, but yeah, say it with a straight face <laughs> and continue to say it because other people they want to hear those kinds of things too.
1: Right. And right. as we that's speak more
2: kindly to ourselves and we ignore the times when our husband doesn't put his dishes in the dishwasher, mm-hmm. but we acknowledge the times that he does, guess what he's going to start doing more
1: of? Uh, yeah. He's going to start putting them away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. I mean, it, it does seem like as I've gotten older, I'm more appreciative of the little things. And I know my youngest son, he has struggled with adulthood. <laughs> you know, he's early 20s and he's just like, mom, it's so hard. <laughs> like I know, I know it is, but just be consistent. Just uh, I know it seems like it's the same old, same old, but you're going to start appreciating the little things that happen that are good. And just recognize him in those moments, you know, and he I think he, I'm pretty sure he's doing better, um, but I just felt so bad for him. Like I wanted to do it for him, but I couldn't. You know, he had to do it on his own. And and um, but he's, you know, turning out to be such a wonderful adult. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, well, exactly. But, you know, especially with children. Um, because yeah. we we can get stuck in saying over and over and over again to children, mm-hmm. no, 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 don't, 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 don't. <laughs> yeah. If instead we start focusing on and looking for what they're doing right mm-hmm. and ignore what they're doing wrong, yes. you'll discover that they will start yes. doing the right stuff far more and they will right. s- stop doing the wrong stuff.
1: Right. He was focusing on the the wrong stuff and I was like listen you're doing this and started naming yeah. all things that he he had been doing. Well, I'm it's like, so much
2: easier to focus on the
1: stuff that we're doing wrong. Oh yeah yeah it totally is totally is so yeah. well Leslie I've had a great time talking to you and I will put your Facebook or your website link in the notes so they can go and look at your website and find out how they can get your book. You can't eat love. And I cannot wait to read it. I have a long list of books to read. (laughs) So (laughs) was there any last comments you'd like to share with, um, everybody before we go? Um, just know (laughs)
2: that you are enough just exactly as you are. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, You are enough. And if you don't believe it, I will believe it for you until you are able to believe it for yourself. And Nikki, uh-huh. thank you so much for the opportunity. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you, Leslie. I've enjoyed it too. <laughs> we'll see you later. All right. Thanks. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of. Motherhood Unfiltered is going to be okay. Please check out my website at www.nickiasherbowling.com and check out my content I have there, other podcast episodes, and schedule your free 15-minute one-on-one call with me today.